Hello, hello, don't be shy. Come on, out to the closet. My name is Aaron, I'm standing right beside you. Figuratively, of course. If you're autistic like me, you have the right to experience freedom, a renewed mindset, and a voice you need and concerns for a safe environment, accommodations, and the right to live an abundant life. Ought to the Closet is my attempt to advocate on your behalf to a planet who continues to learn about who we are as autistics. So gather around fellow autis and neurotypicals, and let's discuss autism freely. Ought to the Closet, shedding light on the beauty of autism. Wow, here we are at episode two. Things are a little bit crazy right now as my brother and sister-in-law just gotten a new addition with a newborn baby girl, so I'm an uncle. Who'd have thought? Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about that experience later on, but at this point in time, I just want to share that this episode may be a little bit rushed in terms of editing, considering I was involved taking care of her over the weekend. Typically, I do have some time set aside to work on this podcast and some of my other artsy-fartsy interests, but unfortunately, my routine is all over the place right now. For some of you listeners, it can be frustrating as it can cause you to either melt down or shut down completely. Most of the time, in my case, I shut down when my routine is interrupted. I become much more sluggish and slow, and of course, when that happens, my concentration also starts to go. So right now, I'm just going to focus on adding some value to you listeners while I'm here in my studio sanctuary. And of course, speaking of listeners, let's get into our... One, two, three, four, question from the closet! So last week's question from the closet was, if you could advocate for autism, how would you do it? Now as promised, I'll read some of the answers from my Facebook page, Instagram, and from some of you awesome listeners out there as well. Iris Gray on Facebook says, I make speeches to any group that will listen to me, which is a very good start indeed. Darren Woods says, I literally started a blog on Facebook. I have zero followers, and I am known as Serenity Dragon. Very cool. I actually checked out your page, and you've got seven likes, and it seems to be growing. Although the privacy policy on Facebook doesn't really let me check out the following, I will be definitely keeping tabs. So if anyone's listening out there, go follow Serenity Dragon at facebook.com forward slash Serenity Dragon 42. Instagram user NeuroAtypical24 says, I would be a speaker and educate about thought patterns and translate, not try to change autism, just the way people view it. She is also thinking of starting a podcast as well. Great job! You definitely are doing some great advocating on Instagram after checking out some of your pictures there. Well, I'm just starting on my game, so keep going and don't stop. You do you. This week's question from the closet is as follows. Who's your favorite actually autistic celebrity and why is he or she your favorite? Anything goes for the answer here as long as you give a brief explanation as to why. It could be anyone from Anthony Hopkins, Greta Thunberg, or even Facebook activists like Fierce Autie, known as Amanda Siegler, for her constant online war against fake cures for autism. Emma Siegler, I'm very sorry if I've mispronounced your last name. Twice. Let me know your answers, and I'll be more than happy to read them in next week's podcast. Let's go ahead and get into our news on the spectrum. Welcome 
Welcome to News on the Spectrum, where I cover one or two pieces of news that are relevant to the neurodiverse community. But before we get into the latest events, I'd like to talk about DreamHost. If you're looking to start your own website, you'll need reliable web space to host your information, blog posts, and pictures. The web space should also stay online 24-7 and have the option to give you a code-free experience when creating and advertising your content. If you want a return on investment, you'll want to start with a lower price as well. If you sign up for DreamHost at SustainAuti.com, you'll be able to save $50 off your web hosting package while simultaneously supporting this podcast and SustainAuti.com. How cool is that, man? Sign up for a new website today at SustainAuti.com forward slash DreamHost. That's SustainAuti.com forward slash DreamHost. Sign up today and save $50 USD and get yourself a free unique .com domain name included with this package. This week's news on the spectrum is a Canadian story. Yay for my country. Earlier this week, three passionate autistic advocates from around Alberta represented the global neurodiversity movement, gathering to protest Autism Speaks Canada. According to Christopher Whelan, Autism Speaks is just one institution with a history and mission of discriminating against autistic people by locking autistics out of leadership positions within their organization and funding research for a treatment and cure for autism. Are we supposed to feel safe in a world where people are funding ways to erase us and replace us with different people? Whelan asks. What message does this send the rest of society where your mission is to cure something so vital to our uniqueness? The message is that autistic people are degenerate, unwelcome carriers of plague, and should be treated as such. Christopher Whelan is the director of the Fort McMurray branch of Autistics United Canada. He claims that Autistics United Canada and A4A Ontario are the best resources for the neurodiversity movement in Canada. Moving on to other news, Australian autistic comedian Hannah Gadsby is set to win an Emmy for her stand-up special Nanette. The writer, actor, and television presenter received global acclaim for the Netflix special when it premiered on the streaming platform last year. On Sunday, ahead of the Emmy Awards next week, Gatsby was awarded a Creative Arts Emmy for Outstanding Writing for a Variety Special. The Television Academy shared the award on Twitter, where the comedian was flooded with praise from Australian celebrities including Russell Crowe, David Campbell, and Charles Pickering. Nanette, which has a 100% critic rating on review website Rotten Tomatoes, sees Gatsby share her intimate details of her private life including growing up in Tasmania and coming to terms with her sexuality. Filmed before an audience at the Sydney Opera House, Gatsby opens up about pride parades, the history of art, how she tackles homophobia and deals with her own pain. Gatsby's honest approach to comedy beats fellow nominees Adam Sandler, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes and Beyonce for the Emmy nod. The comedian was also nominated for Outstanding Variety Special, pre-recorded, but that was awarded to Carpool Karaoke. That was the news on the spectrum for this week. And now, a history lesson. Today's episode is not going to be a pretty one. If you feel at any particular time while listening, it may be difficult for you to continue through, I definitely understand if you feel the need to listen to something else. Before I begin, I just want to assure you that this podcast does not support the views or pseudoscience created by Andrew Wakefield. Vaccines do not cause autism, 
and I will follow up this history lesson with an explanation as to why I believe this. So, who is Andrew Wakefield? Andrew Wakefield received his medical license in 1981. He is a former British doctor who began his career at the University of Toronto studying tissue rejection problems with small intestine transplantation using animal models. Whew, that is tough to say. He published a paper indicating a link between the measles vaccine or MMR vaccine and Crohn's disease. Wakefield was approached by Rosemary Kessick who had an autistic son with bowel issues. She turned to him for his medical expertise with the MMR vaccination, wondering if the vaccine had something to do with autism and abnormal bowel problems. This caused Wakefield to adjust his focus towards a connection between autism and MMR vaccines. In 1998, while working with the Royal Free Hospital in London, England, Wakefield was the lead author of a paper that studied 12 autistic children who proposed the syndrome called autistic enterocolitis. This controversial paper raised the possibility of a link between bowel disease, autism, and the MMR vaccination. Wakefield concludes that 8 out of 12 children exhibited behavioral symptoms two weeks after being administered the MMR vaccine. Because of the paper's publicity, unproved data, and conduct behind the research, the UK's Medical Research Council had to meet to decide what to do with this triple threat to science. Mr. Wakefield had to call for suspension of the triple MMR vaccine until more research on effects of the vaccine can be done. This was done via press conference, which resulted in an MMR vaccination scare. Wakefield further comments that he can morally no longer support the 3-in-1 vaccination for measles, mumps, and rubella. He preferred single vaccinations against the three separated by gaps of one year. He thinks that giving a 3-in-1 vaccination increases the risk of an adverse event occurring. After all these events, Wakefield left the Royal Free Hospital to continue his clinical research in the United States with Jeff Bradstreet, who believes autistic children have a higher body burden of mercury due to the MMR vaccinations. Eventually, Andrew Wakefield was charged with professional misconduct. His research was reported as fatally flawed and 10 out of the 12 authors involved in his research retracted sections of his autistic enterocolitis paper. The Institution of Medicine of the United States National Academy of Sciences, along with the CDC and UK National Health Service, has found no link between vaccines and autism. None. I, I just need a minute to breathe here. Reviews in current medical literature have also found no link between the MMR vaccine and autism or with bowel diseases which Wakefield called autistic enterocolitis. Because of the charges between July 2007 and May 2010, Wakefield had to go through a 217-day fitness-to-practice hearing with the UK General Medical Council, who looked over the charges of professional misconduct against Wakefield and two colleagues involved in the research paper. The charges indicate that Andrew Wakefield was being paid to conduct the study by solicitors representing parents who believed their children had been harmed by MMR. Wakefield ordered investigations without the requisite pediatric qualifications, including colonoscopies, colon biopsies, and lumbar punctures known as spinal taps, on his research subjects without the approval of his department's ethics board and contrary to the children's clinical interests when these diagnostic tests were not indicated by the children's symptoms or medical history. Wakefield acted dishonestly and irresponsibly in failing to disclose how patients were recruited for the study, as well as in his descriptions in the Lancet papers and in questions after the paper published 
about what ailments the children had and when these ailments were observed relative to their getting vaccinated. Wakefield conducted the study on the basis not approved by the hospital's ethics committee. Wakefield also purchased blood samples for five euros each from children present at his son's birthday party, which Wakefield joked about in a later presentation. Wakefield showed callous disregard for any distrust or pain the children might have suffered. To me, that's pretty serious. Wakefield denied the charges even though in January 2010, the General Medical Council ruled against Wakefield on all issues stating that he had failed in his duties as a responsible consultant and acted against the interests of his patients. On May 24, 2010, Wakefield was removed from the UK Medical Register. Of all sanctions the GMC could impose, this was the worst of them all. This ended his career as a licensed doctor. The council said that Wakefield had brought the medical profession into disrepute, and no sanction beside erasing his name from the register was appropriate for all charges of misconduct. It's also ironic that the same day Wakefield's autobiography, Callous Disregard, Autism and Vaccines, was published, it was based on the same wording as one of the charges against him. Ever since 2010, Wakefield has been arguing with media or other medical experts who disagree with his research that he was unfairly treated by the medical and scientific establishment. Between 2011 until now, Wakefield has been encouraging anyone he comes into contact with not to take any vaccinations, he's directed a propaganda film called Vaxxed, and his participation has been heavy in anti-vax protests. Before I address vast topics like herd immunity, why vaccines don't cause autism, and my own failings at research into this topic back in 2012, I'd like to take a quick break and share a sound bit of one of the activists I follow who had recently confronted Andrew Wakefield personally while in Europe. Please note that this clip does have a little bit of profanity. So, here we go. This is not exactly a question for me. This is a message I wanted to deliver to you, Mr. Wakefield. Actually... I'm autistic, and on behalf of the autistic community, we want to thank you very much for all the harm you caused to not only the people that could avoid preventable diseases, but also all autistic people and autistic children, especially those who suffer from this abuse by MMS bleach and also chelation and all kind of bullshittery, quakery treatment. There is no way to treat autistic. And this is caused by that, by an affirmation, making people believe that correlation and chronicity does equal causation, and that's not. That is a logical fallacy. The post hoc, cum hoc, ergo propter hoc fallacy. Just because it happened before even B, even A, which happened before, does not cause even B in a matter of chronicity. That is wrong. And because people took this seriously as something, as the gospel, as something totally true. The harm was done, and that's too late. 20 years, and we're still at that right now. Still with that abuse, bleach, stuff like that, quakery, directly linked to this bullshittery. You are responsible for 
Est-ce qu'on peut traduire uh, Thank you for your opinion. And the great thing about freedom of speech is that, no, is that you were entitled to say what you said and long may free speech last. What you heard was an actually autistic advocate named Louis Brunel, known as Crimson AU. In the middle of June, Louis confronted Mr. Wakefield during one of his panels and surprisingly, Wakefield's response was actually quite tactful. Well done, Mr. Brunel, and thank you very much for the work you're doing. I need to assure our listeners that I'm beyond sure I was born autistic. The doctor who indicated my mother was having a boy when I was conceived told her that I would have to be tested when it came to social interaction. This was before I was even born. This was before I even received my very first vaccination. If doctors can put out bold claims regarding my neurology back in the 1980s, then isn't it easier now more than ever to prove to the scientific community that a small portion of the human race is born autistic? I'm actually still trying to sort out the answer to that, especially due to the nature of how we accessed information in the era of it all being in your head, so to speak. To be honest, I don't think this was the best way to open up with this topic. If any mother has gone through similar events, the event in question may or may not encourage mothers to abort their potentially autistic children. Aborting autistics is a whole other topic to branch into, and diving deeper into it deviates from the point I would like to stress. If you're expecting, or new parents, overwhelmed and sleep-deprived, and not sure about how to sort all this information out, I understand your fear and doubt. Since I'm not a parent or a scientist, I am very sorry that I can't empathize with exactly how you're feeling when it comes to your child or if he or she is autistic or not. If you're a pregnant mother and you're going to have a wonderful baby boy or girl that will not be neurotypical, I'm living proof you don't have to be afraid. My mother wasn't afraid to give birth to a boy who would have trouble fitting in with other kids at school. She wasn't afraid of him stimming or rocking back and forth to 90s dance music. She loved him even though she never understood why he needed routine or why he had a hard time getting other work besides call center jobs. But eventually, her baby boy had gotten married and was able to freelance as an app developer. Her baby boy was able to create a website with options for autistics looking for online work and eventually become an advocate for neurodiversity here in Canada. If I can still do the things that I do today, your children have a hope and a future to look forward to. The thing is, you don't have to be afraid of your son or daughter just because he or she has a different neurology. Autism is not a disease. It's a neurological difference. And if you're afraid of me just because I'm autistic, that is extremely hurtful. I say this because if I were only to go off on a tangent and prove there's absolutely no credible evidence that autism is caused by vaccines, that fact only fills you with fear. I'll only contribute to other negative stereotypes about autism and autistic people. I need to stress that fear of autism hurts autistic people. A person being scared of me hurts me because I'm no longer significant to a community if people fear autism. I'm part of your community. We as autistics are part of your community. We are not them. We are part of us. Back in 2012, behind my wife's back, I would look for research to cure autism because we still fought when she couldn't handle some of my autistic quirks. I found blogs that talked about vaccine injury and how people had gotten more autistic the more they were pumped with flu shots. 
I eventually became depressed because of all the articles I was reading and that there was no hope for me to become a neurotypical. I decided I had to have a serious chat with my doctor as some people unfriended me on Facebook because of the false information that I was spreading. And of course, a group of people I was friends with out of town suddenly just got annoyed with me wanting to change myself. So I gave that up. I got the flu shot I needed to stay immune, and of course, nothing neurologically changed at all. My brain was no more autistic than it already was. At that point, I was also viewing a lot of propaganda films that were being shared by Facebook friends outside of Winnipeg. A quick side note, do some research before you watch any kind of documentary that you feel may be leaning hard right or hard left on the political spectrum. Fake news was always around since the birth of the internet, but it never took off significantly until around 2009 when YouTube started to give money to partner creators. Both blogs and YouTube videos started to produce left and right leaning propaganda films, but at the same time, another movement was happening when it came to autism. The slow and steady information of trusted sources and trusted people escalated when it came to autism and neurodiversity. Unfortunately, while we still have a long way to go, my denialist and angry views towards my neurology became something I no longer needed. I started to ask more questions about the beauty and qualities of autism that were positive rather than the effects that were caused by bad behavior and if vaccines were involved. I then started to learn from more reliable sources about herd immunity and the benefits of vaccinations against diseases such as the measles. Today there are many articles being published that remind us there's no link between vaccines and autism. Unfortunately, we're also seeing a lot of outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases around the world as well. As I mentioned before, fear of autism is harmful towards autistic people including myself. To let you know there's no link between autism and vaccines, I have a few points to make about autism and vaccines that should be researched further. Many other studies besides Wakefield's involve much more than 12 children and in each study there is no evidence of a link between vaccines and autism. Absolutely none. If someone tells you there's an autism epidemic, they're trying to either con you into donating money towards their cause or they're using fear to get your attention. I fell for both tricks. It's not funny and anyone in content creation and media has to stop using fear to keep people viewing what they make. And yes, in some cases, I'm part of the problem too. As I said before, autism is something a child is born with. It doesn't come from postnatal injury, nor is it acquired. Autistic families are multi-generational. They fit into something called the broad autism phenotype, where autistic traits exist in certain family members, but not enough to require a diagnosis. Autistic side effects can linger in toddlers after they've just received a vaccination. If your child is neurotypical, the side effects are just a coincidence. Studies have shown that parents who think that their kids regressed after vaccines were mistaken about the timing of vaccines and autistic traits that emerged. They also often miss early signs of autism that were placed well before the toddler vaccinations were even given. One thing some forget to do when talking about this topic is address concerns about vaccines themselves. Some of you listening here may have gotten chickenpox as a child and have pictures to prove what happened which includes yourself and siblings covered in red welts. Perhaps you think vaccine-preventable diseases really aren't that dangerous. Coming from a Christian background, I also understand if you believe that our body's natural immunity or the Holy Spirit is all you think your kid needs to fight diseases, 
and be healed in Jesus' name, then let me just be frank here. If God wants us all to avoid suffering rather than walking through it with us, he would do whatever he can to destroy vaccinations and have Christians perform enough miracles to destroy and topple the healthcare system. To understand what I mean, let me just talk a bit about vaccines themselves. There was a time when vaccines never existed at all. Back in the day, kids had to rely on natural immunity in order to survive. Unfortunately, thousands of kids had gotten sick and died while some hundreds had survived. Vaccine refusal is a privilege of the vaccinated. The exceptions were the ones who had never lived through vaccine-preventable outbreaks. They could refuse vaccines and consider them dangerous rather than a defense against disease. In some countries where vaccines are limited, vaccine-preventable diseases are viral to the point that some parents will postpone naming ceremonies until their babies are vaccinated. Vaccine-preventable diseases are just a plane ride away. What's going to happen to a child if they're exposed to a disease when they have no natural protection against it? This is occurring more often now that anti-vaccine propagandas lead to lower vaccination rates. Herd immunity is the concept that when enough people in a community are vaccinated, diseases can't flourish among a community. Not vaccinating puts a community's herd immunity at a very high risk. Babies that are too young to be vaccinated are at risk when other people don't vaccinate, as is anyone who can't vaccinate or for whom vaccines don't work. When enough eligible people get vaccinated for diseases like chickenpox, the rate of infection among those who can't be immunized lowers quite a bit. So when you think about it, herd immunity works. Vaccines do their job when you're vaccinated. One flu shot can save many lives, and as a whole, vaccination is good for us because herd immunity saves autistic people's lives as well. Sometimes I wonder, why are my neighbors south of the Canadian border arguing about this stuff when in other parts of the world, children kick the can because of preventable diseases? In other parts of the world with no vaccinations, one child dies every 20 seconds. Measles and pertussis outbreaks happen in the states because people are skeptical of vaccines and not skeptical of Wakefield's disproven studies. These viral outbreaks are a direct result of autism-focused anti-vaccine fear-mongering by people who oppose neurodiversity. Looking at more data, measles was considered destroyed in the United States in 2000, yet the CDC reported that there were more than 500 confirmed cases of measles in 2014 alone. And Andrew Wakefield still continues to destroy our trust in vaccines today. He continually uses the fear of autism as a weapon to jeopardize public health. All he's doing is setting up more obstacles for children who need to stay healthy. The great thing about vaccine-preventable disease is that it can be preventable. With enough education and knowledge, we can go back to a time when measles and rare pertussis is destroyed completely. For all you parents out there, I definitely understand this is a lot of information to take in. I also understand that I should probably be watching what I say in this episode because it's about children and I'm not a parent. However, I am the uncle of a beautiful baby girl as I highlighted at the beginning of this episode. I have no idea what kind of neurology she has yet. We don't know if she's autistic or neurotypical, but I'm not afraid of what she will be because my family will raise her to be a woman with her own autonomy regardless of what kind of obstacles the world's gonna throw at her. I can't speak about her predicted future health though. Although I'm confident my sister and brother-in-law will make good healthy choices for her. 
They don't buy into vaccine denialists who will convince them not to vaccinate this new, lovely life that's not even a month old yet. I just hope I can help to aim for herd immunity, and not just with vaccines themselves, but with vaccines and autism information. On a podcast like this, I want to aim for educating the public with a new outlook on this thing called autism rather than being confrontational with it. I don't like telling people they're wrong or that they're misinformed because I empathize with the fear that people have. But I will say this to parents. It's okay to be scared. It is perfectly fine to ask questions. If a child you know or son or daughter has actually gone through vaccine injury, I'm very sorry that that's happened to you. It's okay to fight for your kids. And it's perfectly fine to post how upset you are that your child has been hurt, provided it's not a video or a boycotting post. But you need to know this. Autism doesn't hurt people. Autistic people don't mean to hurt anyone. And if they purposely do, there's a deeper problem that needs to be addressed. All autism needs is to be accommodated. It doesn't need to be cured. All autistic behaviors don't need control unless they unintentionally cause harm. And even then, there needs to be a humane way to bring about the needed control. It shouldn't be such a big deal to provide adjustments and accommodations to ensure that we stay healthy, that we stay employed, that we stay emotionally, physically, and spiritually comfortable, and yes, that we even stay sexually healthy. This is why I created this podcast. This is why I need to voice concerns that the autistic community has, especially when it comes to Wakefield and the various organizations and celebrities who support anti-vaccination propaganda. Even if vaccines did cause autism, trading lives is a terrible cure for neurodiversity regardless of the hypotheticals involved. So if you feel vaccines cause autism, you may as well just accept that neurologically different people are here to stay. Because most of the population has already had one vaccination or another, even before Wakefield got to where he is today. I am so sorry for the long episode today. We unpacked a lot and I thank you so much for listening if you made it this far. You can like me on Facebook and follow me on Instagram at AaronAdvocacy204 or you can check out some of my articles on SustainedAuty.com. Also, some other very exciting news. This podcast has reached the awesomeness that is iTunes. Go ahead and leave a positive review so more people can learn about neurodiversity and autism for what it really is. My name is Aaron. Thank you very much for your time. Ought to the closet. And don't forget to add value to someone today. See you next week.